Well, Happy New Year, South Suburban. Hopefully your uh, holiday was filled with laughter and love and lots of food. And uh, now you're, uh, I think there's a record number of people who join the, uh, the health clubs about this time of the year, and maybe that's you, and uh, you're ready to uh, just, as, as Pastor Joe was talking, maybe make some new uh, resolutions, whether it has to do with rhubarb or, or something else, but um, you know, one of the top questions asked by Christians this time of the year is, what is God's will for my life? I think that uh, we find this an, an opportunity to maybe reboot and start over again. And I think there's something really refreshing for all of us about an opportunity to start something over again. And so a new year represents a new season. And oftentimes we feel like this is just, it's just a new day for us. And we want to do it right this time. How many of you guys have um, ever made a mistake in the past? Probably not in this crowd at all. But an opportunity to start over again and leave some of those mistakes behind. In fact, leave all those mistakes behind and say, God, if I could, if I could do it again, if I could start over again, I'd want to do it your way. I'd want to do it with you leading the way. And that's a, that's a question that a lot of people ask especially this time of the year, but there's so much stress around this question about God's will because what if I get it wrong? What if I miss it? What if I make a bad decision that just ruins everything? And I want to take a moment here just to offer this to you. You know, God continually works to get you into his will. And it's a lot like your GPS. If you make a poor turn or you make a poor decision, he doesn't just kick you off or shut you out. But instead, he simply recalculates to get you back into his pathway for you. And that is the peace that we have about God's will. Because God's will is not a place for you to live. It's not a position for you to be in. And it's not even a person for you to be with. God's will is really a path that he's called you to. Now, it doesn't mean that those other things are not in his will. But a lot of times we feel like if we make one decision that was wrong. If we took the wrong job, if we moved to the wrong place, if we started dating the wrong person, that all of a sudden we're out of God's will for good. And that's simply not the case at all. You don't arrive at his will and you don't miss his will. It's something that he's called you to walk in. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. This topic is, again, such a huge question this time of the year that I, I want to take some time here and look at a couple of key verses as we get started. You'll find those in your uh, sermon notes this morning. They're found in James chapter 4. I'd encourage you to look at it with me this morning. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. It says, Now listen. You who say, so he's talking specifically to this group of people. Listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business and we'll make money. So in other words, there are these, there's a bunch of people here who say, I have some things that I want to do, things that I plan to get done. And notice what the Bible says. It says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. So it's really good that we are focused on some things, but really we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. The writer asks a serious question next. He says, what is your life? Now, it's not a demeaning question. It's saying, what is your life? What is your life? 
you thought it was all about who to marry, what school to go to, what job to take. Should I buy a house or should I rent? But the Bible says, no, it says you're a mist. Literally in the Greek, it's a vapor that comes out of boiling water and then it just dissipates immediately. So he's not saying that your life isn't valuable. He's saying your life on earth is a mist. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes. So you're, you're here for a little while. I really want us to get the, the sense of what he's talking about in this verse. The temporal questions aren't the best questions for us to ask. The eternal ones are because your spirit is what lives forever. But your life here, he says, it's a mist. Your time on this earth, it goes up and it evaporates. And he goes on to say this. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In other words, I need to align my life with God's will. There's a lot of questions that we can ask in our life, and they're not unimportant questions. They're valid questions about what kind of a, what kind of a job or a career do I get into? Uh, what kind of, a, what kind of a, a car should I buy? I mean, these are all questions that you probably have wrestled with from time to time, and you've sought the Lord and asked his guidance on it. But the most important things, this writer says, is that we would line up our lives with God's will. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. 1 John 2.17 says it this way, the world and its desires pass away. So everything that we're concerned about, they're important. God cares about them. He cares about the smallest concerns in your life. But all of these things will pass away. And the passage goes on to say, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The will of God is an important thing for us to understand, and it's constantly at the top of the list of questions that believers ask, how do I know God's will? And this morning, we're going to tackle that question and look at a few more scripture verses along the way. So I probably would assume that a lot of you guys are in a decision dilemma as you enter 2018. You have a lot of questions that you're going to need to answer this year. Some of them would be larger questions, and some of them may be smaller ones. When we're younger, those questions are usually focused on what college do I go to? Do I go to this college or that college? Um, do I marry this person or someone else? Uh, do we have kids now? Do we have kids later? Do, do I buy or do I rent? Do I buy a cat or a dog? And I can answer that one every time, get a dog. Every time. <laughs> My mom might disagree with me, but anyway. But we get into life and we want to know what to do. How do we hear God's voice? And John 10 tells us that his sheep know his voice and they respond to it and they say no to the other voices. And I think that is really the desire that we have as believers is that we want to hear God's voice. We want to know his will for us in our life. And this morning I'm going to give you this message in two parts. And the first part is very theological. I, I want you to get an understanding of how God's will is framed, how it works. I think this is really going to help you understand 
uh, the theology of God's will. The second part is very practical. So you could take this message home and you could put it into practice in your life today even. You could, you could have a conversation in your car on the way home today about how to apply this because God's word is very vocal on this topic about his will. So let's start with the, the theology of God's will first, okay? God's will is uh, it's framed. There are boundaries on either side. We're going to talk about those boundaries this morning. How many, how many of you guys out here, uh, you, you play golf or you, you, you try to play golf like me? Aspiring golf players. In the game of golf, you, you tee off at the tee box, and your target is a fairway. And the fairway is almost like a runway in an airport. That fairway is going to take you to your goal, where, where the hole is. And your target is to, to hit that fairway. Now, the grass in that fairway is cut really short. And it's that way intentionally so that your next shot is easier for you. And that's what you're shooting for. That's the goal is to hit the fairway. And, and God's will is very similar to this. The goal is to get into that area that's designed for you to function in. See, if, if you miss the fairway when you play golf, then you land in what's called the rough. And that's where the grass grows up higher. And it's much harder, much more difficult to hit your next shot and to get where you're going to, to try and get to that hole. And, and, then, and then in golf, they do the 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 the... the meanest thing. They throw these hazards in. They're called sand traps and water. And and these things, they make it even more difficult for you to get to your goal. Sometimes the only thing that you can do is really just chip that ball back into the fairway so that you can start moving forward again. And God's will, again, it's very, very similar to this. The first step is getting into the fairway. And that fairway is framed by a couple of things that I want to talk about this morning, these two things here. The will of God is framed on one side by what we would call God's sovereign will. And so if we imagine this being the fairway, on this side we're going to say this is God's sovereign will. And you could explain this as what God is already doing on the earth, his sovereign will. God's already up to something The question is, do we know what it is that God is doing, and are we cooperating with it? Because God's will is for us is never going to be outside of his will for mankind. God's will for you is never going to be outside of his sovereign will. They will always coincide. His will for you falls inside of his will for all of humanity. So one of the easiest things for me to begin understanding God's will for my life is to understand God's sovereign will for all of humanity. Jesus taught us to pray that way. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, the first thing I want to do is I want to align my life with your will on this earth. That's God's sovereign will, and we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes. Now, on the other side of this fairway is what we would call God's moral will. So we've got God's sovereign will on one side, and on the other side, God's moral will. And you could define this as what God has already said in his word. What God has already declared in his word. God is already vocal on some topics, and we need to align ourselves with what he's already said, because again, God will never call us to do something that's contradictory to his word. 
And I could give you a very relevant example in our culture today. God's word says in 1 Thessalonians that it's his will that we would abstain from sexual immorality. Now, the Greek word used here refers to any sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman. God's word says it's a sin. It's completely outside of his moral will for mankind. So here's, here's the, the, the perspective here. If we're living outside of his moral will, or if we're in the rough, then we need to do whatever it takes to get back into the fairway. We need to do whatever it takes to get back into his moral will so that we can then start looking forward into God's plan. So we've got his sovereign will, and we've got his moral will. And this leads us to the final part of the, the theology of God's will, And it's what most people are referring to when they ask the question about God's will, and that's number three, God's personal will. God's personal will. Again, this is what we're generally referring to when we ask, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to take this? Am I supposed to say yes or no? God's, uh, we can define it as this, what God desires for my life. What God desires for my life. So we've got God's sovereign will on one side. We've got God's moral will on the other side. And we know that God's personal will for us is going to fall between those at some place. And our goal is to get into that fairway so that we are positioned for God's personal will in our life. God has a very personal plan for you. He has a personal plan for your life. It's what we long to discover. It's what we long to live out. And it's, where, uh, it's why we're filled with these questions about what school do I go to or, or marriage or jobs and different things like that. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Because we want to know God's personal will for us. Psalm 139 says, All the days ordained for you were written in God's book before any of them came to be. So God has a plan for your life. And if you've been wondering whether or not God has a plan for you specifically, then here's your answer. God has ordained your days before you lived out the very first one. God has a very personal plan for you. And that is really what our our heart is and what our desire is. When we say we want to know God's will, we want to know his personal will for us. And so here's the the take-home statement for you to see how all three of these come together. And I, I encourage you to fill these out in your notes this morning. And here's a statement. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God. Let me read that for you one more time. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God. God's personal will for you is going to fall inside of his sovereign will and his moral wills. And that is so important for us to understand theologically how God's will works. In other words, before we get so specific about do we take this job or do we live here or do we buy this house, we need to begin by getting into that fairway. That's got to be our first thing. We've got to get positioned so that we can see and we can hear and we can follow what God's plan is for our life. Get into the fairway God's personal will for our lives is never going to be out of bounds. It's never going to be outside of those things. So here's two questions 
that I encourage you to ask. They're not in your notes today. I just want you to listen to these and, and, and uh, answer these. This is more of a rhetorical question. You don't need to raise your hand here, okay? What am I doing right now that I shouldn't be doing? And what am I not doing that I should be doing? Those are two questions that help you get into the fairway. What am I doing right now that I shouldn't be doing? I need to get into God's will. What am I not doing that I should be doing? I need to get into God's will. These are things that help position us because if you'll get out of those things that God never intended for you to do and you start getting involved in the things with what God is doing, you're going to be surprised at the clarity that begins uh, to, to come into your life. When you get positioned, when you get in that fairway and you line yourselves up with God's sovereign will and his moral will, you'll be amazed at the clarity that's, that begins to come with God's personal will for your life, all right? Now, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to go into the practical part of this message now. The theological part is framed for you, and so now when you get into that fairway and you start living life, you begin moving forward. Now you've got personal decisions to make, and this is usually what we all want to know, um, but a lot of times, again, we have to start with the theological part. If we fail to see that, then, then we're struggling. We're, we're, we're hitting from the rough all the time, and we want to know why it's so, so difficult for us. But once we get positioned here in the fairway, now we've got personal decisions to make. So let me be clear on this as we start. All decisions are important, but there are a number of decisions that we make in life that are really big. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, the, the decisions on who we marry on a career that we would take, on uh, where we would move to, where we would live, um, how many kids to have, those kinds of things, have a, um, they have a greater impact on our life, and we need to hear from the Lord on those. I, I know that there are some people who've, uh, some friends I've had in life who, who made, it a, a, uh, made it a thing to, to pray and ask the Lord on just about every decision that they made. And, and some of those things would sound ridiculous, like, should I wear this outfit or that outfit? And God's like, I just want you to wear clothes. I don't care. <laughs> you know, um, do I buy this car or this truck? And he's like, I, you need transportation. I, I really, I really don't, don't mind which one you buy. I think God gives us a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility and a lot of movement within his will. But there are some really big things that we want to know. We want to hear really clearly from the Lord, and that happens in a number of spiritual disciplines. And we're going to take this deeper next week. Spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting helps you shut out the other voices so that you can hear God's voice. In the seasons of my life where I have uh, taken, uh, for, I've taken and set aside for prayer and fasting, God's voice has never been clearer. It's been the, it's been the best times to hear God's voice the most clearly in my life. When we want to discern God's will, we need to get as close to him as possible and shut out the other voices so that we can hear from him. And that's, that's so important for us. So let me ask you, are there some decisions that you need to make in your personal life? Are there some big decisions that you need to make? I know that there are some big decisions that we need to make in the life of the church, for certain. And I'm going to invite you guys, we're going to uh, take some time next month to... Uh, to do a week of prayer and fasting. We're going to do that as a, as a church body, as a family. I want to encourage you to be a part of that, to say, God, 
I want to hear you above all the other voices in my life. There's a lot of things that are screaming at me. There's a lot of things that are vying for my attention. And God, I want to make the right decisions. I want to make godly decisions. I want to hear from you. And that's the heart behind this. You'll hear more about that opportunity in the next few weeks. But I encourage you to to set that aside right now, just to make a commitment to be a part of that. So let me show you a great verse that speaks to this. It's a verse that we've become very familiar with in the last few months here at South Suburban. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't give in to the pressures and the voices out there. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But get your mind, this is let God transform you by a complete change of your mind. Get your mind refocused on his voice. He goes on to say this, this is, the, this is a great part here. Then, so if you do these things, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for you. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you guys would love to know that? You'd love to be able to discern what God's will is for you. And he says, don't, don't give in to the pressures and the voices out there, but get your mind focused on him. we got to hear his voice. Block out the others. Focus on his voice. So there's some filters that you can use, and that's really how I want to frame this, this uh, last part of the sermon today. Some questions, four practical questions that you can ask as you are trying to discern God's will in your life. The first question is this, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say already? So much of what we're faced with in making decisions in our life, God has already voiced his will and his position on. Luke chapter 21 verse 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Go to God's word. Read God's word. Make decisions based on God's word. But listen, don't try to change God's word to fit a situation in your life. Okay? Your situation in life will change, but God's word will never change. Don't try to change God's word to fit the culture of the world. Because listen, the culture of the world will change, but God's word will never change. Your situation in life and the culture in the world have changed in the past. They'll change again in the future. But God's word, say it with me, will never change. Okay, listen. By the grace of God, at South Suburban, we're going to discover God's will for us. We're going to discover God's will for us as a church. And we're going to stay true to his word as we do so. Amen? All right. Here, that's the first one. Here's number two. Have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I found someone in my life who loves the Lord and is willing to give me counsel? I'm always looking for sound, relevant, biblical counsel. And you should consider doing this in all your decisions that you make. One of the reasons that I'm such a huge proponent of uh, building strong teams in ministry is because scripture tells us that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And I like to build ministry teams in my role as a pastor, and I rely on team decisions in a lot 
of a, in a lot of situations. And I also like to develop a team of, of mentors in my personal life, people outside of my, of my church or outside of my job who can counsel me as I seek the Lord's will for my life. And I surround myself with those people intentionally because, again, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. A couple of times a week, I'll call these guys and I'll say something as simple as, this is what I'm facing. What do you think? Give me, give me some counsel here. I, I, will, um, I will call some of these men and, and literally tell them, I need your counsel now. Here's the situation I'm facing. Give me some of your counsel. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, for lack of guidance, a nation fails, but many advisors make victory sure. Now, this is something that you don't do just by itself. You don't just go to men and women of God and ask them what, they, what you should do and then follow it. It's something that you do in cooperation with these other things we're talking about. So when you get together with these godly men and women, they're seeking the Lord's will for you. You could discuss the opportunities. You can lay it out in front of them and say, here's the decision that I have to make. Here's what I see. Here are the options. And you can hear their heart, and you can hear their perspective, and then you can pray and seek the Lord's direction. But godly counsel is extremely important. All right, here's number three. Now, you've got to be careful with this one, but it's a good part of this process, and that is, number three, do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? The reason that I say you've got to be careful with this is because sometimes we confuse God's peace with the easiest path. And those aren't the same thing, okay? All throughout the Bible, God speaks to us in a still, small voice. We've got to sense his peace in a situation. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't push beyond peace. That's tweetable for you, okay? Don't push beyond peace. We often get in a habit of putting our head down and pushing through things. Without raising your hands, how many of you are you're a make-it-happen kind of person? And you, you'll just push through barricades. You'll push through anything that tries to slow you down. A lot of times, God puts those things in front of us as warning signs to slow us down. Listen, his peace often serves as trail markers on the path of his will. That's really important for us to grab a hold of. You need to stop, you need to lift your head to heaven, and you need to ask the Lord for his peace in his direction. And then make a commitment to not push past his peace. His peace guides us in so many different ways. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And again, it doesn't mean that God's will is always easy. And I think you guys have experienced that probably multiple times in your life already. Easy is not the same thing as, as peace. There have been some very challenging things that I faced in life, some difficult steps that the Lord was leading me to take. There wasn't circumstantial peace, but there was God's peace. Have you guys experienced that before? There wasn't circumstantial peace. The situation was, was difficult, but God's peace was still in it. Okay, that's the kind of peace that you can't push past. Don't push past God's peace. Never make a commitment to, to never step outside of God's peace in these decisions. Okay, here's the last one. And this one is probably um, one of the most difficult 
no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, and that is this, is it my will or is it God's will? Is it my will or is it God's will? I think one of the healthiest practices of a believer is that we would wake up each morning and have just a a 15-second honest conversation with the Lord and say, God, today I'm going to be faced by many things, some good things, some bad things, some blah things. I'm going to have some opportunities to be self-serving. I'm going to have some opportunities to serve you. But God, in all of them, I ask that you would lead me in your will, not my own. I want what you want today. And if we could start our days out like that, and we could make that commitment and say, God, your will, not my own. You know, Jesus modeled for us this in a a way that none of us could ever imagine. The night that he was betrayed, knowing the terrible things that lay in front of him, the things that he would face in those coming hours, and he knelt and he prayed honestly. And guys, it could have been a 15-second prayer. Lord, if there is any way that this cup could pass from me, I would like that. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's one of those beautiful, very difficult situations where there was not circumstantial peace in Jesus' life. It says that he wept so hard it was tears of blood, the, the sweat and the tears. It was such a difficult pressure situation. And yet he knew that God was leading him in that path and he submitted his will. Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, so much of our difficulty in discerning God's will for our life is that the will of man is playing for all of our attention. It's not just something that you need to feel guilty about, like it's your will. It's the will of mankind. It's playing really hard for your attention. See, a lot of times the way that we, we pray is, God, we want your will. But the way that we live is, God, I want you to bless my will. I just want you to get on my team. I want you to support what I want. Or we'll say things like, God, I want what you want if it's easy. Or, God, I want what you want if it means I don't have to change. Or, God, I want what you want if it leads me here or it leads me there. Or or it costs me nothing. God, I want what you want if. But we've got to get to the place where we can say, God, I want what you want, period. No matter the cost, no matter the change, I want what you want. I want it, period. So let me ask you, what is it that you want for your life in 2018? What is it that you want for your church in 2018? We're at the very first Sunday of this new year. A beautiful year that lays in front of us. An opportunity for God to walk us into something that is the the latter days that are more beautiful than the former days more powerful, more fulfilling. That's the year that lays in front of us. 
getting into God's will. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must say no to himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. He must say yes to me. He must say no to himself. He must say yes to me. So before you ask God about his will for your life, you need to start by asking yourself, am I in a right relationship with him? Am I in the fairway? Am I in his sovereign will and his moral will? And Am I inside those boundaries? Am I in a right relationship with him? And as I wrap up today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. There's no better way to start the year out than to start it with God leading the way than asking the Lord to be the Lord of your life. Because if you want to hear from God, you've got to start by getting close to him. And so if you're here today and you would like to make that commitment to him, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you guys would just take a moment and bow your heads. If you're here today, you want to make a commitment to him, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can just say, God, I thank you for your great love for me. And Lord, I I may have been trying to figure things out on my own in the past, but I'm making a change today. And I want you to lead, and I want to follow. Jesus, I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for bringing brand new life to me, a new start. And I ask that you would be the Lord of my life from this day forward. I commit myself to you. And I ask that you'd help me to discover your will for my life and live it out in this next year. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's a great way to start the year. In fact, it's a great way to move forward in life. And I want to ask you to do one thing for us as a church. On the back of your connection card, there's a box that says yes. And this is an opportunity for us as a church to just pray for you and to continue to lift you up before the Lord and say, God, that person, they want they want all of you. Would you show it to them? Would you lead them in your will? Would you bless them? And we want to be able to do that as a church family. So if you'd take a moment and check that box, um, what we're going to do is uh, uh, at the end of our service today, we're going to have some prayer teams up here just to be able to pray for all the needs uh, that are represented here in the congregation. And if you prayed that prayer, if you check that box, would you take it up to one of these elders and uh, just drop it off with them? And they'd love to take a moment just to pray with you today. And uh, we're going to uh, move into a time of communion here. And as we do that, I want to encourage you guys to take a moment because we've got a few minutes here as the elements are being handed out. And I want to encourage you in those few moments to really go to the Lord in a lot of the ways that we've been talking about today about what his will is for your life in this next year. If there's one thing that I've realized, I, I'm, I'm what you call middle-aged. I'm 45. I'm, I'm, I'm young enough to, to be some of your sons and I'm old enough to be some of your dads, Right? I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged. One thing that I've realized is that life is not just autopilot. That you don't catch a groove at age 30 and just put it on autopilot every year. Every single year we come to the Lord and we say, God, what is it that you want for me this year? And I want to encourage you to take an opportunity to do that as we move into a time of communion. That we want to be able to make a commitment 
to God's will, to his ways. Scripture says that his ways are perfect and they're pleasing. And I don't know about you, but those things sound really good to me. His perfect and pleasing will. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would help us, God, just to follow you in the plans that you have for us as individuals, that you'd help us to follow you in the plans that you have for us as a church. We ask that you would guide us, you'd direct us, you'd speak to us, you'd help us, Lord, to filter out the other voices so we can hear you and we can obey you. And we commit ourselves to you and your will, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.